I am so excited to be here with all of you today. And uh, we are going to talk about uh, modern selling. What does it mean to be a modern seller? And uh, modern selling is something that, uh, in my opinion, is, is disruption proof. Uh, there's probably not one person here, myself included, that isn't experiencing um, some type of disruption given the world events that are happening at the moment. Whether it is personal disruption, it's business disruption, the, the concepts that we're talking about here today will apply no matter what environments we're selling into, no matter what's happening outside uh, in the world. And uh, so, so taking these ideas of modern selling, and I will be sharing some strategies as well that you can apply directly to your, your book of business, to uh, if you're an entrepreneur, to, to your overall business. So my goal is that you walk away from our conversation here today with uh, some specific strategies that you can put into your book of business. Um, and I am, I am going to have one eye on the chat here and we'll, we'll get some help from my friends at Hippo. So I will, um, I will try to answer some of these questions. If for some reason I don't get to the questions uh, in, during our conversation today, um, the Hippo team and I will answer them uh, via email and make sure that, that you get your questions answered. All right, so um, Vivek shared a little bit about me. So I spend my time in the world of sales and uh, what that looks like is working with organizations who want to improve sales strategy. They want to uh, improve the, the skills and the capabilities of their teams. And uh, I also uh, do, do keynote speaking, uh, most of that virtually at the moment, but uh, keynote speaking at uh, association events, conferences, and the like. Um, and uh, at the end of our conversation here today, I will share with you um, some uh, special offers that we have for you. Uh, some folks will be able to get a copy of the book, and then we also have some assessments for you that come with the book. So you'll be able to apply those into your business as well. So let's talk a little bit about what we're gonna be covering here today. So this is today's conversation. I'm going to talk about some trends that are influencing buyer behavior. These are trends that uh, are, you know, they're specific to what we're dealing with here uh, in the moment, but they are also broader trends that I see regardless of what's happening in the outside world. So we're gonna talk some trends. Then we're going to get into the five capabilities of the modern seller. What are they, why they matter, and how you could use them to be a better seller today. Um, we're going to talk about some strategies. So as I mentioned before, you will walk away with some uh, specific strategies that you can put into your book of business uh, against your sales quota. And then these last two bullet points, these are um, everything that I do. I want to make sure that I'm helping you position yourself as a leader with your prospects and clients. Our prospects and clients are looking for leadership from all of us, uh, especially right now, but always. So when we are able to position ourselves as that leader, as that trusted advisor, regardless of what product or service that you sell, you are going to position yourself to win higher value opportunities, and you're going to position yourself to keep those clients for life. We spend a lot of time uh, earning the clients that we have. And if we can grow the clients that we have, and in addition, add new perspective, qualified clients uh, to our sales funnel, putting those two things together, that's going to help us exponentially grow our business. So that's what we're going to cover here in the next uh, 45 minutes or so. 
So I want to get to know all of you a little bit, and I'm going to ask my, my uh, hippo uh, friends for, uh, we have a couple of polls for you. I'd like to get to know you a little bit, and then I think, uh, Vivek, I think you have another poll that you wanted to um, have everyone answer. So if I could get some help in teeing those up, that would be great. All right, so here's the first poll. Um, I'd like to know a little bit about your primary role, um, outside or field sales, uh, inside sales, maybe you're running a sales team or a sales division, uh, you might be an entrepreneur, or if there's another role that you have in your organization, uh, we'd like to hear from that too. So hear from you on that as well. So uh, give, you, give you all uh, a minute here to put in your answers and we'll see who's here with us today. And uh, Vivek, are you seeing any, uh, any responses? I'm not seeing yeah, anything on my side. Yeah, we have over 70% response, 30 people have responded. Uh, I'll just give it another 10 seconds before I All right. So then I'll share the receipt. Great. All right. We'll get, get your, get your last, uh, last second answers in here and we'll see, see who we have here with us. Yeah, almost done. 78% recorded. Right. Okay. I'm ending the poll right now. Yep. Sharing the resource. Yeah. Can you see All the right. I do. I can see the results. So um, we have a lot of people here on the line, a little over 40% of you that are in an outside or a field sales role. Um, about 15% of us are inside sales. We have some sales leaders and also a good mix of uh, entrepreneurs as well. So, so a good balance of, uh, of everyone here. Um, so thank you. That, that helps me to understand who's here with us today. And then I think Vivek, you had another uh, poll that you wanted to share. Uh, so this is just to understand uh, if uh, you are currently using videos or you would you like to use videos in the future. All right. So do you use videos in your sales outreach? Um, so yes, I use it all the time extensively and uh, or sometimes I use video. I prefer text um, or not currently, but I'm interested in possibly using it in the future or not at all. I would say for myself, I am using video um, in, in thought leadership type of situations. So I share a lot of video on LinkedIn. I share a lot of video uh, via my website. Um, I, but you, you have my curiosity peaked uh, video in email as well. So uh, I'm really curious to hear what everyone else is doing in terms of video in your sales outreach. We have our 70% response. Yeah, I'll end the poll in seconds. Okay, we'll end the poll here in a few seconds. Yeah, so here are the results. Uh, so 10 to 13 percent use it extensively, and uh, 30, 29 percent sometimes, a few percent prefer text, and uh, 48 percent of them, the majority have uh, not currently, but they are planning to use it in the future. 10 percent not available. So nearly 50% of us are saying we're not currently using uh, video in our sales outreach, but we're interested in possibly using it in the future. And uh, for those of you that are either um, say that you use it extensively or you use it sometimes, I would be really interested to hear your perspective on how, it, how it's working for you. You're welcome to put that into the chat and I'll, I'll try, to, try to catch as many responses in chat as I can. So, so with that, let's get into uh, our conversation around uh, modern selling, and then I will answer questions as we go. So let's talk some trends first. Um, when, I, when I give, uh, give keynotes or I give workshops, I, I spend a good amount of time talking about trends and what is impacting the way our, uh, our prospects and our customers, what's influencing their buying behavior. 
Our prospects and customers, uh, even more so today, they are living in this pretty chaotic intersection of uh, business trends, uh, cultural dynamics, uh, and technology trends. And all of those are influencing the way in which they are going to market with their own prospects and clients. So part of our role, <clears throat> excuse me, becomes helping them to be more successful with their prospects and clients through our products, services, expertise, whatever it is that you happen to be selling. Our job is to help them make their business better and help them go to market better. And because all of these things are changing the way in which they're going to market, it's changing their expectations of us. Their expectations of us are, are uh, shifting, they're changing rapidly, and the way in which we show up for them has to change. And this was the catalyst for writing the book, The Modern Seller. So I grew up in what I would consider to be a traditional B2B uh, selling environment. I sold products and services for IBM, and then I also uh, sold products and services for uh, Lenovo. So I grew up in the technology space. And uh, then I took a pivot into entrepreneurship a uh, little over, almost 13 years ago. And I started a learning and development organization. And what that has added to my sales toolkit, if you will, is entrepreneurial selling. So some of you may be in more traditional B2B environments. Some of you may be selling in more of a business to consumer environment. Uh, some of you may be selling more entrepreneurially. I'm gonna to touch on that here in a little bit. But all of those experiences have helped me to understand the changes I had to make to become a, a modern seller. It is no longer about just transactional selling, point in time type of selling. If we're going to grow long-term uh, clients, if we're going to attract the best prospects, we have to change the way in which we are going to market and the modern selling skills will help us to get there. Uh, you know, things like um, presenting, uh, prospecting, presenting, negotiating, closing, those skills do not go away. They are very important to our everyday selling activities. What I was starting to see though in my own selling activities and with my prospects and clients, there was a need for what I like to call the skills behind the skills. There are five capabilities that I see when we are able to build these five capabilities, it is going, those capabilities will make us better at our everyday selling activities. So we'll talk a little bit about that a few slides down, but I'd like to share with you here three trends that I am seeing very consistently with prospects and clients, and this goes across industries. So the first trend that is worth us paying attention to is what I call accelerated ROI. So this is about the increasing acceleration on achieving a return on investment. So let me share a story to illustrate this point. So this, uh, this was a couple of years back. I was meeting with uh, two key decision makers in a banking client. I was meeting with the regional president and I was meeting with the chief sales officer. And so I, um, part of my solution set, uh, sales training and sales consulting. So a little bit about my background there. So I'm meeting with these two decision makers and we had reached a point in the decision process where we had narrowed in on a solution and we were really close to finalizing a contract. Um, so we're, we're in this meeting and we are talking through the um, 
ins and outs of the solution and hopefully getting to contract. And the regional president paused and she looked at me and she asked me this very thoughtful question. And here's what she asked me. She said, Amy, how soon will we see results? I need to be able to share with my CEO the results, the progress that we're going to deliver in the next 90 days. So one quarter, that is about how much time that we have to really deliver something tangible, whether it is a specific result, whether it is progress toward a result. Now your scenario might be a little different depending on the products and solutions that you're selling, but the concept remains the same, that our prospects and clients need to see return on their investment much more quickly. They're no longer just working in an annual business. They have an annual P&L, but they aren't just working in an annual business. They are working quarter to quarter. So ROI expectations, they've become much more sophisticated. They've become much more time bound. So in, in my particular situation, the honest truth was I wasn't prepared to answer that question very clearly and very concisely. That was a learning point for me that I needed to be able to go back in any conversation and be able to hone in on what their top two or three ROI metrics are that they want to work toward and how can our work together make sure that they're getting there in a tangible way and as quickly as possible. One of the things that it, it's happening specifically now, but I would, would argue that it's happening all the time. When a prospect or even a client they are considering to work with you or to continue working with you, they are taking some reputational risk to do that, some social risk to do that. So have we shown them in a way that is very specific and meaningful to them how taking the risk to do business with us or to continue to do business with us is absolutely worth the payoff and worth the return on investment. So if you think about, think about your top five prospects or clients, do you know very clearly what their top two or three ROI expectations are? And can you weave that into all of your sales conversations with them or the pertinent sales conversations? So if you can do that, you can better stay on top of their shifting priorities quarter to quarter, and that's going to help keep you top of mind. All right, so that's accelerated ROI. All right, here's the second one. Decision by committee. Buying decisions are increasingly being made by committee and by consensus. So more decisions are requiring that consensus building, whether it's overtly or maybe it's happening behind the scenes. Especially if you are selling um, in complex environments, maybe you are responding to uh, RFPs pretty regularly. Decisions are often made by committee. And those committees will many times represent multiple business units, multiple stakeholders across that prospect or client. So uh, corporate executive board, which is now part of Gartner, they do some pretty extensive research in this space. And what they were finding was that the average number of decision makers in any given engagement is 6.8. The variety of those decision making roles, it's becoming more complex and it's definitely moving across job function and across geography. So especially if any of you are selling globally, you probably run into this quite often. So 
I once had an opportunity for a contract that was worth multiple millions of dollars over multiple years. It was, it was a big deal. And I had invested close to a year in building the relationships at the VP level, at the director level. This was in, uh, in technology space. And I thought I knew all the influencers. I thought I knew all the decision makers. So uh, imagine my, my surprise and my disappointment when the prospect notified me uh, through email, no less, that the contract had been awarded to one of my biggest competitors. So here I was thinking I had all the right relationships. I was working in all the right business segments only to lose the opportunity to a competitor. And what I later figured out was that the ultimate decision was going to be made by a board of directors. So I was missing this entire set of decision makers in my particular opportunity. And they had a different buying criteria. They have different buying criteria and they placed more value on upfront price versus long time return on investment. So my decision makers who I was building the relationships with, they put more value on other factors. So we had a mismatch there. And the big lesson for me was I was missing some relationships in some important places because there was this decision by committee going on in within my prospect. So if you're dealing with this, especially in complex opportunities, there's a strong chance that there is a buying role and a potential decision maker where you may not have as strong of a relationship as uh, you need, or you may not even know that the relationship is there. That, that was, that's what happened to me. So our role then becomes expanding our relationship building capabilities across a prospect or client, and not just within the specific departments or silos that we are used to working in. I was working specifically in IT, and what I needed to do was get across the business in a much more comprehensive way. So we have to stretch ourselves further into the organization and sometimes even outside of it to combat this trend of decision by committee. All right, last trend, and this is probably one that we are all experiencing right now, the sharp turn. There are going to be times in your sales career uh, where something will happen that causes an entire segment of your clients to take a sharp turn. Um, they might even halt. So some of you may be experiencing this right now where um, certain verticals are completely stalled out at the moment. Um, you may be experiencing delays in your sales process. Uh, many of us are experiencing this and our prospects are, and clients are taking this sharp turn to reprioritize in order to respond to what's happening outside. So my earlier comment, business trends, cultural changes, technology trends, um, world events are all, um, all coming together to cause them to need to take this sharp turn. So this is disruption. And we as sellers have to become very comfortable with the fact that disruption is going to continue. It may not look like the disruption that we're dealing with right now, but there will be some other disruption that we have to get comfortable with being able to operate in, to build the right mindset, to make sure that we have the right selling activities and that we are able to navigate that for ourselves and also for our prospects and clients. So what this means is to combat the sharp turn, looking at our books of business as our, our quotas as a business. 
it's not just something that we're doing point in time, but we're looking at the holistic picture of the business and we're really taking ownership for the overall health of the business. So what you might be doing is looking at the diversification of your verticals. You might be looking at the different services and products that you're selling into those verticals. How might those change? Um, if you're like me, I went through my entire pipeline over the last two weeks, most recently to assess all of my opportunities and to see very clearly what in my pipeline is going to move toward closure, what is going to be in a holding pattern until further notice, uh, what things are going to fall out entirely. So if we're looking at our, our quotas, our book of business like a business, and assessing our opportunities, assessing our risk, assessing um, where, we have, uh, where we have downside and upside, that's gonna help us navigate these sharp turns better. So when these disruptive times hit, and they will continue to hit, um, we are the calm, confident sellers and advisors to our prospects and clients. Um, there's, there's a little bit of the fine, uh, the fine art and science of knowing how to graciously continue our selling activities uh, and efforts despite all these turns and halts. I, I believe 100% wholeheartedly that we continue to sell as trusted advisors and competent sellers, but having the emotional intelligence to be able to work with our prospects and clients on where they're at and help them to navigate. Because what that's going to do is even if times are tough for some of us right now, we will be remembered positively and we will continue building those long-term successful clients. We have to look at this as the long game and business owners look at these things as the long game. So, so that's the sharp turn. And many of us are probably experiencing this right now. And if you have any questions or comments, I am, I am watching, uh, watching the chat here. A few questions that I've seen coming in, I will probably hit on a little bit later uh, toward the end of our conversation. All right, so we've just talked about some trends. Let's shift the conversation a little bit to talk about the modern seller because modern sellers are able to stay ahead of these trends. They're able to take the trends head on because we are looking at our territories, our quotas, our books of business, we're looking at them differently than other sellers might. So let me dive into my definition of a modern seller. And this definition applies regardless of what's happening around us, what's happening uh, in our selling environments. First of all, a modern seller is someone who is recognized as a differentiator in your client's business. You are seen as someone who makes a tangible difference to their business. You're not just selling a product. You're not just selling a service, whatever your particular um, situation is. You are seen and recognized as a difference, difference maker in your client's business. Secondly, the value of your product or service, it isn't fully realized without you as part of the equation. Your expertise, your insights, your ability to help a prospect or client navigate their business environments that's the value that gets attached to your product or service and that can't be separated. So the value that you bring amplifies the value of your product or service. And then lastly, for modern sellers, our clients view us as strategic to their competitive advantage. We know their business so well that they see us as their competitive advantage. They can't imagine not doing business without us. 
and that helps give us some, uh, some immunity against competition. It helps to give us some immunity against um, status quo. Status quo is a trend that I didn't touch on, but one that we run into quite often where a prospect or a client has the choice between either um, moving forward with us or staying in their status quo and actually not making a decision to move forward. Because they see us as strategic to their competitive advantage, we can help them bust through their status quo and see a better vision of the future. So as you are digesting this, processing this, thinking about your prospects and clients, not all prospects and clients, quite frankly, are ready for modern sellers. Some of us, some of, some of them only see value in transactional business for, for many, many reasons. We may never be able to bust out of the vendor box with some prospects and clients. But part of thinking as a modern seller is taking a very strategic look at our client set, at our, at our key prospects, and being able to make strong decisions about which ones are going to be the best fit for our business. Um, and we may still make the decision to, um, excuse me, we may still make the decision to have some transactional uh, clients in our client sets, but thinking as a modern seller, it's making uh, intentional strategic decisions about which clients and prospects may be transactional, but which clients and prospects are going to be the best fit for us to build long-term lifetime value, to build uh, stronger margins, to uh, build this type of relationship where we are seen as a differentiator and seen as a competitive advantage. So if you're a sales leader, um, maybe uh, listening into this right now, can you take your team through an exercise where you take a look at where do we have the opportunity to be modern sellers with our prospects and clients based on this definition? Or if you are someone who is in a sales role, taking a look at your prospects and clients and your, you know, your, top, your top 10 and really balancing this or weighing this definition against the relationships that you're building there. So lots of different ways to do that, whether you are a sales leader or you are in a sales role. So modern seller definition. So there are five capabilities that in my research as I wrote the book and in the work that I do with my clients today, five capabilities that I see rising above the rest that will help us to be better with our everyday selling activities. We will be more effective, we will be more efficient, we will build a better and more profitable book of business if we build these capabilities in addition to um, our other sales activities. So a modern seller is agile, a modern seller is entrepreneurial, a modern seller is holistic, they are social, and they are ambassadors. So for the rest of our time here, I'm going to uh, walk us through uh, the five of these. And then for each of them, I'm going to give you a strategy that you can uh, put into place to help you amplify these capabilities in your book of business and to help you be better at your everyday selling activities. So let's hit the first one. A modern seller is agile. So agility is a hot topic these days. Uh, I've done a number of webinars on agility uh, very recently and uh, agility used to really be reserved for the sports field, but it has definitely made its way into business environments over the last decade. Lots of different definitions for agility. I define agility as being nimble in our decision-making and being nimble in our sales process in order to help our prospects and clients move forward. 
Um, Harvard Business Review has a, a great definition of uh, learning agility, which is um, rapid and continuous learning from um, our experiences so that we can apply that learning to the next experience. If you have ever felt like you have been thrown into the deep end of the pool, you have taken on a new territory, you have switched companies, you are doing something new for the first time, this is practicing agility. This is, this is agility in practice, where we have to take our past experiences and apply them to our current situation. Our prospects and clients expect agility out of us. They expect us to be able to help them see ahead of the curve. What changes are happening in the industry, uh, in their industry, in our industry, helping them to navigate those changes and to anticipate what's coming next, helping them to be more nimble in their decision-making. And the more nimble we are with our sales process and the way in which we think and bring new ideas to the table, the more valuable that we are going to be in the eyes of our prospects and clients. One hallmark of an agile seller, and this is something to take away and practice, whether you're a sales leader or you are an individual seller, is the ability to process a lot of information and be able to pull unique ideas and share those unique ideas with a prospect or client. Can you take a look at your top five clients, your top five prospects? Have you shared a unique insight, an original idea to help them make their business better. That is something that if you can do that, you will absolutely rise above your competitors. You will stand out in what I call a world of sameness. Our prospects and clients are looking for a way to make meaning and they need, they need meaningful experiences with us. That is one way to do that. Um, so here's another strategy. I call it pattern switching analyzing our selling patterns. And right now, I would say that this is one of the most important things that we can do um, to build our agility, but also help us move sales opportunities forward. So let me use myself as an example. I was in a prospecting rut a, a little while back, and um, I really struggled to, um, to be successful, to be effective, to be efficient with prospecting. And uh, a coach, sometimes we need a little bit of outside perspective to help us with this, a coach had pointed out to me that uh, I was really in a rut. Uh, routines can become ruts very easily. And I was in a rut. Um, I was doing a lot of the same things. I was uh, expecting better results, but I, was not, um, I wasn't changing the way in which I was doing things. And what I would, had realized was my prospecting had fallen into a rut and I needed to change my environment and I needed to change my routines. So what that meant, uh, right now we are all home office, but at the time that I was going through this, what that meant was I needed to uh, change my environment. So I um, had an office that I needed to go into. I put myself in my office. I did better planning with my prospecting lists. I did better planning with how I wanted to reach out to my prospects. And just by doing a couple of simple tweaks to my patterns, I was able to accelerate my results. So taking a look at your selling patterns, what are you doing right now and what results are you getting from them? And if you need your sales leader to give you some coaching or maybe a peer where you can work together on this, where do you need to analyze your sales patterns and maybe change your environment or change your routines in order to accelerate your results? So this is pattern switching. Pattern switching activates uh, 
different areas of the brain, different neural pathways in the brain so that we can prevent routines from becoming ruts. So taking a look at your selling patterns and where could you make some potential changes to them? So there's a question here um, that I think could, could uh, fit well into this uh, agility conversation. The best advice to sell during complex times. Some, uh, some top three uh, cold email and calling tips. So this is where we are very used to selling via technology, using email, using, um, using the ways in which we're used to doing things. I am actually finding right now that more people are uh, agreeable to picking up the phone and having a conversation. I have made more contacts with phone prospecting in the last two or three weeks than, uh, than I have with email. I've experienced people, um, my experience has been anyway, that people are pretty overwhelmed with email at the moment. Lots of different emails coming in and especially related to the pandemic that's happening. But picking up the phone has been a differentiator uh, for me. And uh, you know, using a video email, like we've been talking about early on, as Hippo shared, different ways of going to market to get uh, to get attention and to be a differentiator so if you are someone who's used to um emailing switching it up to calling can help you make a better connection with people all right so i'm going to move on so we just talked about a modern seller being agile a modern seller is also entrepreneurial a modern seller who is entrepreneurial doesn't just see himself or herself as someone with a, a territory or a book of business. They see themselves as the owner of that territory, the owner of that book of business. And that's a completely different way of thinking. When you think like an owner, you are looking at the top line of your book of business or territory. You're looking at the bottom line. You are looking at your top opportunities. You're looking at where you have risk and you're making decisions from a different point of view not just looking at what's right in front of you. So sales leaders, taking a look at your teams and assessing who on your team has this entrepreneurial way of thinking. Or if you're an individual seller, assessing yourself to say, am I thinking and acting like an entrepreneur? Am I looking at my book of business um, as a business? Am I making decisions about where to head within that long-term view? And entrepreneurs have one skill that really helps them rise above the rest, and they have the ability to create a vision. They can see a couple years out, two, three years out, but then simultaneously be able to determine the steps and the, the steps they need to take in order to make reach that long-term vision. So I have two questions here to be thinking about. So as you're assessing your territory, you're assessing your book of business. The first question is, where aren't my competitors? We are really used to thinking about where our competitors are. What if we flipped that question to say, where aren't my competitors? Where are they not where you might be able to be a trailblazer? You might be able to pioneer your product or service with a fresh uh, vertical or a niche within a vertical. Um, the second question is, where is there an underserved niche or market that I can dominate? When we are, when we are, especially if we're working in really saturated environments, we're working in really saturated environments, we're used to going where everybody is. But if you can identify an underserved niche, if you can identify a space where your competitors aren't, you can be there first. 
And let me give you a quick story on that. I was conducting a workshop for um, some uh, B2B insurance brokers. So, so that was the audience. And um, after uh, talking about this particular topic, I, we, I had someone come up to me afterwards and talk about how the, uh, the niche that he had found, so his vertical was healthcare. Healthcare is a huge vertical, lots of different sub-niches within that vertical. And it's also extremely saturated. But what he had found, he found this small niche within a healthcare space. And it was actually um, with nonprofit organizations that specialize in um, organ donation. So not, not a niche that I would have ever thought of, but he found this niche. He, and it's a small niche, um, probably less than 100 players in, in his environment in this niche. But he found the first client in that niche and delivered so well on with his products and services that he started to become known in that niche. And then the other nonprofits there started to do business with him. He was first, there was no one there, and he was able to build his reputation and he was able to sell his products um, at better margins and higher value. His nonprofits saw value, they didn't just see price. So something to think about in your own territory, your own book of business. All right, next. A modern seller is holistic. Modern seller is holistic. And this ties very much to entrepreneurial. Um, a modern seller who is holistic doesn't just see the prospect or the client in their particular product or service. They see the whole ecosystem. We are selling our products and services within a supply chain ecosystem. We have our customers that depend on us. We also have our suppliers. Uh, in some uh, situations, we have our strategic partners. We have an entire ecosystem of um, people, processes, technology, products that go into creating a successful customer experience. So using myself again as an example, when I was selling for IBM and Lenovo, I sold technology hardware. Taking a prospect or a client all the way through the sales process was in getting, getting to that win that was just the first phase. The next phase had to be delivering on the product, the service that, that they were buying from us. And there was an entire supply chain behind us, a global supply chain. And if there was any hitch in the supply chain, it meant that something wasn't going to be delivered on time. It may not be configured correctly. Um, it may cause delays at the client once they had made the purchase. So. If I were just thinking about that purchase order and that win and not thinking about the supply chain behind me, I would be missing out on an entire opportunity to make sure that I was delivering the right customer experience. So thinking again about your own prospects and clients, even deals that you have in flight right now, mapping your pre-sales and post-sales touch points. So pre-sales, and taking them all the way through the sales process is what we tend to focus on. Post-sales touch points are equally as important in order to make sure that we're delivering well and it sets us up for the next opportunity. I talked early on about making sure that we are uh, expanding the clients that we're working with, but also uh, in addition to filling the top of that funnel. This is expanding the clients that we're working with and making sure that we're delivering on the right experience. 
So take the time with your, just take, take a couple deals that you're working on right now and map the post-sales touch points and where there might be weaknesses in the supply chain, whether it's a physical supply chain or maybe it's a partnership supply chain. If you work through the channel, you work with business partners, making sure you're mapping those points, looking for any weaknesses in that supply chain that you might need to shore up in order to deliver the right customer experience. So this, this is what it means to think holistically and to apply, apply supply chain thinking to your sales process and to your client experience. All right, next, a modern seller is social. So we live in a world of social media and technology. And uh, so, so this conversation is not about using a specific social media tool. Um, I really believe in an omni-channel approach to building relationships. It is um, thought leadership in social media. It's uh, building relationships via social media. It's building relationships via video, via um, phone, via email. We have a lot of options available to us. So the idea behind a modern seller being social is focusing on the right strategic relationships that we need to be building within our prospects and within our clients. Um, social capital will never have a line item on a P&L, but sellers who place high value on strategic relationships, they know that they can create higher social capital. Social capital is um, what is created when we focus on uh, building the right relationships and the results that are created from those relationships. Modern sellers can build social capital and they create momentum with it that is going to help them get further into a relationship or further into a prospect or client through their relationships. This um, modern seller is social right here helps you with that decision by committee trend that I referenced earlier. So to have a strategy, have a couple strategies in your back pocket for what you can do in your, um, your territory or your book of business. There are four high impact relationships that you need to build in every prospect and in every client opportunity. So I'm gonna run through these four. And as I'm running through them, think about your prospects and clients and where, where you're strong and where you perhaps have some opportunity to uh, make some improvements with these relationships. The first high impact relationship, these are your advocates. Your advocates are your raving fans. They are the people who will leverage their social capital. They'll leverage their reputation to open doors for you. They may actively sponsor you for a key opportunity. They are the people that you know that um, they're in your corner and you have delivered so well for them in the past that you have proven that you, you have proven your reputation, you have proven credibility, and they are now willing to open doors on your behalf. The more advocates that you have in a relationship and a client, the better off you will be. I'm thinking of a client that I've worked with for a number of years. One of my top advocates left, just moved on, took another opportunity. And in order for me to continue working in that client, I made sure that I had other advocates across the business so that I wasn't um, potentially at risk in this client because one advocate had left. So who are your advocates in your top prospects and your clients? The second group are your decision makers. These are the individuals who hold ultimate budget authority and the decision to move forward. 
But I do caution here that there is very much likely a decision by committee. I had this happen to me very recently. I was giving a Zoom presentation um, and I had five uh, equal uh, committee members uh, that I was presenting to. And so I absolutely had decision by committee and by consensus that I was, was dealing with. And I was also presenting in a virtual environment. Can we hone in on who our decision makers are? And if there is more than one, where, where are some of the risks that we might have when it comes time to a decision to work with us? Your next high impact relationship are your centers of influence. Centers of influence can be people or they can be organizations. And what these people or organizations do, they provide the right environment, they provide strategies, they provide opportunities, they provide access. So what are, so if I use organizations for an example, what organizations do you belong to that you can create high impact individual relationships from? I have about three groups that I belong to and these groups provide environments, they provide opportunities, they provide access. You can also have centers of influence within a prospect or clients. They are likely individuals who are helping provide the environment. They're helping you to provide access. But centers of influence and advocates, they are not equal. Someone who is a center of influence may not be an advocate for you. Someone who is an advocate for you may or may not be a center of influence. If they're an advocate for you, the chances are good they have some level of influence, but you have to individually assess your opportunities for where you have centers of influence and where you have advocates. If you have an advocate and a center of influence who that's the same person, then you have someone that you want to make sure that you are continuing to build that relationship with. That, is, that, that combination right there is priceless. And then lastly, strategic alliances. This is your fourth high impact relationship. These are partnerships that help create opportunities and they're often um, revenue generating and mutually uh, beneficial. So where are your strategic partnerships? Whether, um, for me, many of these exist outside of my client sets. They might be other consultants, they might be other organizations, but do you have a set of strategic relationships? These types of relationships can help shore you up, especially when you're selling through disruption. Are you paying attention to these relationships and building them so that when we are facing things like we're facing right now, you have those relationships in place. So assessing yourself with these four high impact relationships. All right, last one. Last one, a modern seller is an ambassador. Being a modern seller who is an ambassador, this is about building loyalty. Ambassadors have this very unique ability to have their own unique brands, their own unique leadership brands, where they really rise above their peers. They are seen in their industry as a go-to type of person. They have built their leadership brands. They might be sharing thought leadership. They have, they have a presence, if you will but they also equally espouse the values of their organization. So you are also seen as someone who is uh, set apart within your organization. And ambassadors are a bridge. They are a bridge to their prospects and clients. They are a bridge back into their organization, uh, a bridge into the community, um, into their industries. So who is someone, and hopefully it's you, who is someone that you look to that you can point to and say, yes, that person is someone who is an ambassador. 
ambassadors have this unique ability to, uh, again, have their own leadership brands, but they are able to build long-term loyalty with their clients and their prospects also can see their capabilities in building long-term loyalty. A long-term loyal client is three times more likely to buy from you. We've done so much work to build these loyal clients. If we continue to build those relationships with them, they are three times more likely to buy and they are more likely to see the value in what we bring to the table and not just a transaction. So how do we build, start building this ambassador factor, as I like to call it? Identify and track the top three differentiators to your best clients and to your best prospects. What are the three things that are most valuable to them that you can focus on and deliver on? This also goes back to the trend I mentioned earlier of ROI acceleration. These can come back into every one of your conversations and you can track these in your quarterly business reviews uh, when you are uh, looking at the big picture of your relationship and working together. I guarantee your competitors aren't doing this. They aren't asking the question to say, what are the three things that are most important to you that you value the most highly that I can deliver on? So that's the first one. And then the second one is to look where you can expand in your top loyal clients. One of the assessments I'm going to make available to you is the loyalty engagement inventory. And the loyalty engagement inventory is an assessment you can use to track the loyalty factor in your clients and, and help you identify opportunities to expand in your top loyal clients. Again, if we can expand in those loyal clients, they are three times more likely to buy from us. We can expand our book of business with our loyal clients while we are continuing to expand um, on the prospect side and putting more opportunities into the funnel. Focusing on those two things together is going to help us amplify exponentially our book of business. All right, so we have just a couple minutes left here. I am going to look through for, um, I have these on my phone, so pardon me while I look down at my phone. I have a, uh, I have a couple of questions here. I'm gonna to try to answer one or two before we, uh, before we do a wrap up. And, and like I said, anything we don't get to, we'll make sure that we answer via email. Um, so there's a question here. I am a full commission on sales and full commission sales. What channels should I focus on? I'm working on LinkedIn now. So I'm gonna run on the assumption that you are full commission sales in, um, in a B2B type of environment since you are using LinkedIn. I see LinkedIn as one of the top tools that I use to build, um, to build relationships and to do my research on prospects and do my research on clients. So LinkedIn is absolutely one tool that I would highly recommend uh, regardless of whether you are full commission sales, but especially if you are a B2B environment. Um, another recommendation that I would have is taking a look at the verticals that you sell into. So I myself, I sell quite a bit into professional services, I sell into technology, I sell into insurance. So take a look at the verticals that you're selling into and what, um, what organizations can you align yourself with that can help you to gain access to prospects in those verticals. So that's one suggestion. A second suggestion is to create in your verticals, what are your top 10 to 20 uh, prospects that would be an ideal client for you? And for each of those top 10 to 20 prospects, 
identifying the potential decision makers and the potential influencers so that you can then use LinkedIn to start building those relationships. So those are a couple of tips for um, especially uh, whether you're on commission or not, but especially if you're working in B2B environments. All right, so we just have about two minutes until the top of the hour. So I will answer any other questions um, via email and we'll follow up with you. But I wanted to share with all of you um, a special gift and an offer that um, our friends at uh, Hippo Video are supporting here. Um, a free copy of The Modern Seller for uh, 35 uh, registrants. And um, Vivek, you might have some, um, if you wanted to share uh, how that process works so that anybody of these first 35 that would like their copy of the book will know how to get it. Uh, sure. Uh, so the way it works is we'll shoot out an email after the webinar. And if anybody's interested, uh, just fill in the details with your address and postcode and everything. Uh, delivery might be an issue uh, at this time, but we'll ensure the book gets to you uh, as soon as possible. Uh, we aim to ship at least 35, but if it goes one or two extra, we have 45 people attending today. We'll try our best to send it to everyone. Yep, excellent. All right, so look for that email so that you can get, get your copy of the book. And then for everyone, um, I am offering the Modern Seller Inventories. These are four assessments that come directly from the book that help you to accelerate your sales in four specific areas. Uh, client lifetime value, your key relationships, your personal brand, and uh, loyalty engagement. So those four inventories, they are in a digital format. You can use them with your prospects and your clients. So we'll make those available to you. And with that, uh, Vivek, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you to uh, wrap us up. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much, Amy. That was a wonderful session. Uh, it was practical and especially uh, the way you segregated the five more components of being a modern seller and the practical experience of sharing from your life. Uh, your experience that was really insightful and I believe like the same applies to the participants as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, what we'll do is just to wrap it up, I believe there are a couple of questions, one for Cal and for a couple of other people. Uh, unfortunately, the time has run out, but we'll ensure we'll get back to you with the answers for all the questions over email. And similarly for uh, Amy's book, uh, we'll send out an email, please uh, give us your details, we'll ship the books as soon as possible and also the modern seller inventory kit. And I believe just to go and run through the experiments and do assessments, what you talked about in the webinar, I believe this will be incredibly useful. Uh, so the last thing is, uh, if any of you want to experiment with videos via email or LinkedIn for prospecting, uh, just uh, reply to that email and I think we will be able to extend the free trial so that you can just check out if it works for you uh, before you even provide the product. So yeah, you can give it a try. Uh, so that's about it from the video. Um, and uh, thank you very much, Amy, for your time. Thank uh, you, everyone. Yeah. Uh, so I'll wrap up the webinar for now. So I'll send you the recording and all of the details uh, over here. Thank you very much.